Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to Lunch Agenda, broadcasting and recording live at Full Service Radio in the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Alexia Brown, and I have the awesome opportunity to fill in for Kiko as a guest host this summer. So thank you to all of my friends, old and new, who have tuned in and shared the podcast so far. So about Lunch Agenda. Lunch Agenda is a podcast that schools you on undercover parts of the food system that you should know more about. This show has touched on topics from food access, food distribution, and how to educate about food. You can find all those previous episodes on your favorite podcast apps. And so this summer, I'll be bringing in guests who I think are doing some fantastic work in addressing food equity issues in the D.C. area while applying my understanding of community health principles and practice. So today, I'm joined by Alexander Moore, Chief Development Director of D.C. Central Kitchen, and Angela Thompson, who is a production lead at the newly opened D.C. Central Kitchen Cafe located on Mississippi Avenue. So we'll get into the specifics about the new cafe, but first let's learn more about D.C. Central Kitchen's organization and mission. So Alex, if you don't mind jumping into this conversation with me, um, could you tell us what is D.C. Central Kitchen and how was it founded? Uh, thanks so much, Alexia. We're thrilled to be here today, and certainly a big shout-out to Kiko. We can't wait to see her um, soon. Uh, D.C. Central Kitchen was founded in 1989 as the nation's first and leading community kitchen. And most people, when they hear our name or they think they've heard of us sort of on the margins, it's because we serve 10,000 meals every single day here in D.C. And that's a lot of meals. But we know that we will never feed our way out of hunger in this city. And so at our core, we've always been a workforce development organization organization that works to help men and women who have experienced barriers to employment. They may be histories of incarceration, addiction, homelessness, trauma, or long-term chronic unemployment, and help them embark on culinary careers here in our city where they can build careers that are sustaining for themselves and their families, be part of the economic conversation of our city, and help our local hospitality community continue to thrive. While most of our graduates go on to work at hotels and restaurants all across D.C., we are especially proud to be a mission-driven employer as well. And of our staff, which is about 187 people today, 87 are graduates of our culinary job training program. Everybody starts above the D.C. living wage. Everybody has 100% of their health insurance paid for. And they're not just using their culinary training and credentials to help us prepare those 10,000 meals. Our graduates serve as culinary instructors, as Mm -hmm. job coaches, as database managers, as volunteer managers. Uh, They're providing long-term follow-up to our other graduates after graduation for years to help them continue moving forward in this really competitive and really trying industry. And so what we want to do is prove that what the work that we do isn't just charity it is equitable economic development and so we know by helping people access a career as opposed to having to deal with recidivism uh, or by being able to access healthy food and not having to compromise on food that's good for them and food that they can afford we're producing 71 million dollars of economic value every single year here in our community and that is how we're not just feeding people but we're driving lasting change 
That is awesome. Thank you for this broad understanding of what DC Central Kitchen does. There's a couple things that I want to parse out from what you said. So first, you said that food alone isn't going to solve hunger, isn't going to solve poverty. And so can you get into a little more about why DC Central Kitchen uses economic empowerment as that vehicle to solving hunger and solving poverty issues? Sure. And I I never want to denigrate the power of food, right? Mm -hmm. It is important that people have the sustenance that they need, whether they're learning in school, whether they're accessing a critical service like housing or job training, um, or just going about their daily lives. At the same time, we know that food does have tremendous power and we should use every ounce of that power. And so in our city where there has never been an urban manufacturing base, Food aggregation, production, distribution, preparation, those are the green collar jobs of the future in this city. And so by creating an opportunity where folks can get the credentials and the internships and the entry level opportunities to enter that that career pathway um, and then move up in that career path in a sustainable way, we want to make sure that food isn't seen as sort of a means, but rather, um, or food isn't seen as an end to itself, but really a means Mm -hmm. to economic inclusion. Awesome. And so I want to understand a little more about what you mean by access. So you said that you're providing access for people to um, get the job training that they need and to access that economic empowerment. A theme that we touched on in the previous episode of Lunch Agenda is that when you speak about community health and about community access, right? Like you have to be very specific about what access means. So um, what is it specifically that DC Central Kitchen does in terms of programming um, for providing that, that training and that opportunity? It would be very easy to imagine a a culinary school Mm -hmm. and a culinary school working hard in DC could provide people with training and credentials and have good employment results. We want to be really intentional about who is engaging in our programming and who's leading that programming. And so among workforce development programs, we want to make sure that we're offering a program that is short enough so that we're not telling folks to commit two, three, four years of their life to get a particular degree if they want to focus on getting established economically. But at the same time, isn't just a resume factory. We want to provide intensive industry-driven training that gives folks all the skills they need to get started and then continue moving forward. We also want to be really intentional about that enrollment process. And so what we look for are absolutely folks who may face barriers in enrolling in other programs, but demonstrate an incredible level of readiness for what our program specifically has to offer. And the resilience and I think the courage of embracing something different, a different life path forward as opposed to what may have preceded them coming to our program. And we want to make sure that that enrollment process and the way in which folks move through our program is not about throwing up barriers so that our statistics look a certain way, but really making sure that we are that last open door for folks to come in and participate in our economy. Yeah, I love that. I love the way that you said you're not necessarily meeting any numbers or any agenda, but it definitely feels more community focused, more empowerment focused, um, which I think is a powerful part of uh, DC Central Kitchen and the initiatives that you have. And so we're in conversation with DC Central Kitchen on this episode of Lunch Agenda. I'm your host, Alexia Brown. I'm speaking with Alex, who's the Chief Development Director at DC Central Kitchen. We're talking a little bit about how the organization really does their work in empowering uh, communities of Ward 8. And so the next question that I'd like to um, dive into a little bit, something that I really admire about DC Central Kitchen is the fact that when you look at the role of programs that you all have, a lot of them are focused on the youth. So that might be providing healthy school meals, I mean, providing job training. Could you tell me a little bit about what those programs are and then why DC Central Kitchen focuses so heavily on youth empowerment? 
So we believe that intergenerational strategies are going to be really important to driving lasting change in, in any critical area, especially when it comes to, to health and, and economic inclusion. Uh, our workforce development program has historically served adults uh, and, and often as a, as a second chance style program. Our work in schools was actually an outgrowth of the recession of 2008. Um, when we looked at uh, a need to have to face a seriously challenging economic environment and when our graduates were probably going to face a, a really challenging labor market in terms of getting placed and we said, why don't we create those jobs ourselves and we can set the standard for living wages and good benefits and career pathways. And so we started off with one school, Washington Jesuit Academy in 2008, and grew into D.C. public schools in 2010 with the passage of the uh, D.C. Healthy Schools Act. And now we're serving more than 7,000 scratch-cooked locally sourced meals in 15 D.C. schools every day. That was partially a, a smart business decision of saying, how can we take what we know how to do well in terms of scalable food production, packing local ingredients into every meal and creating jobs for our graduates in a, in a sustainable way. Schools were a natural potential partner in that. But we also believed that we could equip our graduates to become mentors and champions in the schools. And so we actually are the men and women serving school lunches and school breakfasts in schools. And it's created a really powerful intergenerational mentoring opportunity for our graduates to help kids navigate that lunch line, figure out what's healthy, what's exciting, what's new, what's different, why they should eat this and not that. And it is, as opposed to being a sort of paternalistic approach to saying you should just eat healthy, it's really coming from this place of having a conversation over food and getting mm -hmm. student input that's helping us refine our menus. Yeah. Uh, as we've looked towards what we're doing at DC Central Kitchen Cafe, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, that's really a new expansion into youth-focused workforce development. In this city, we now have one in three young people living in Ward 7 and Ward 8 who fall into the category of opportunity youth who are disconnected from work and school. And there's a real shortage of programs that will help them get a meaningful industry credential and get a job. That doesn't mean that's the only credential they'll ever get, that we, we don't want them to go on to higher education or get high school equivalency if that's something they're looking for. But folks sometimes need income to get stable. And because there was a, a dearth of programs to set up to meet this specific need, um, and we were seeing the number of young people applying to our program really spiking, we said, let's think about how we could build a curriculum that's really tailored to helping young people succeed and do that in addition to our longstanding services for adults. That makes a lot of sense to me. Like, <laughs> yes, you're completely right that youth youth-driven initiatives are going to go a long way in terms of making those intergenerational bonds um, and to really invest. So let's talk about how the cafe even uh, sprouted up and what kind of inputs you had in order to figure out that this was an initiative that was important for the community. I love the idea of sprouting a healthy cafe. <laughs> I think that's perfect. <laughs> so in the history of DC Center Kitchen, this is far and away the most planned project we've ever had. You know, Our Healthy Corners program started with about six weeks notice. Our school food program started with about three weeks notice. Um, DC Center Kitchen Cafe has really been the culmination of years of conversations with a whole bunch of critical community stakeholders. Uh, it really began with conversations with our friends at Building Bridges Across the River who operate the ARC, a coalition of 13 high-performing nonprofits on Mississippi Avenue Southeast. And they realized, like us, that there was a huge demand among young people for workforce development services and that there was a limited uh, amount of healthy food outlets. Um, and so while they've been doing great work with a farm on the grounds of that campus and a community CSA program, the idea of a, a cafe was really exciting. And so the idea where we could blend uh, a cafe that would bring a, a rightfully deserved retail amenity to the Ward 8 community, especially the, the um, housing communities that immediately are adjacent to the ARC, uh, 
where people can just go in and get a cup of coffee or a salad easily without having to ride a bus to be able to do that. And finally, I think respond to the concerns that we've heard from so many community members about having positive outlets for young people. There's so many negative narratives and stereotypes and news stories about young people in our community and being able to have a positive supportive outlet that was low barrier to entry that met young people where they were and was about them and helping them move forward at their pace and in their own way was something that was really important to us. So we spent years conducting focus groups, talking to local youth organizations as well as national best practices across the country, visiting New Orleans and Chicago where folks have been doing great work in this area for years to make sure that we were, we were really listening. And when it took, came time to build the curriculum, we didn't just copy paste what we've done with adults for, for 30 years. What we wanted to do was create an entirely new curriculum that was go at your own pace, that allowed young people to step away if they encountered a barrier or a crisis that might take two or three weeks or a month or six months to deal with without having to start the program all over again. We wanted to think about the credentials that they actually got and we're actually offering a different now a management level credential for our young learners so that they can walk in and really feel like they're going to have a career pathway when they walk into to a restaurant or a hotel um, and so all of that work took about two years of really intense planning and one of the coolest pieces of that was when uh, our graduates who currently work for us formed a cohort of about 12 folks who underwent recruitment training um, to become community recruiters. And think about, let's not worry about how do we get referrals from a given government agency. That'll certainly be part of our work. We want to do that well. But how do we work with folks who have community credibility, local community knowledge to really articulate what this program is in the right way, get that feedback about whether or not that's going to be at all of interest to young people, and empower them to have that next step of, hey, how do I, how do I engage young folks in an intergenerational way um, that's going to be successful? Successful. And so all of that, I think, speaks to a desire to not just plop down a program because a white paper said, hey, there's, there's a need here. This is a problematic statistic. Mm-hmm. Let's have a solution. It really, we tried to have a, an organic approach to saying, we know what we do well around workforce development and food access and social enterprise. Let's make sure that whatever we build is really tailored and responsive to the community. So we're going to take a break. Uh, This is a conversation with DC Central Kitchen on Lunch Agenda. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk with Angelo, who is uh, one of the production leads at the DC Central Kitchen Cafe, a new initiative that just opened up. Um, The menu looks really tasty. And so we're going (laughs) to learn a lot about Angelo's story and what the cafe is doing for economic development with youth in DC. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Lunch Agenda, broadcasting recording live at Full Service Radio at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm Alexia. If you haven't heard, I am guest hosting for Kiko while she's out on maternity leave. Um, And I have the awesome opportunity to bring some great stories to the forefront on this show this season. So we're here in conversation with the D.C. Central Kitchen. If you haven't heard, there's an awesome initiative that I'm really excited to share a story about. So this is the D.C. Central Kitchen Cafe, which is a vehicle for not only providing healthy 
really delicious looking meals to members of the DC community, particularly in Ward 8, but it's also a place for youth empowerment and workforce development. So we're here with Angelo, who's the production lead at the DC Central Kitchen Cafe. Hello. hello. <laughs> First, let's just talk about your story. I think that if you tell your story, it'll give our listeners a really great understanding of just what the cafe is, what mm-hmm. DC Central Kitchen is, and the impacts. Okay, cool. First of all, I, m- I must say, like, just hearing Alex, um, I'm honored to be a part of, you know, DC Central Kitchen. Like, the, the story, the 30 year story, like, it is great. But, um, like you said, I'm Angelo Thompson. Um, I've been with DC Central Kitchen for eight years now. Um, graduated in 2011 after culinary job training program. It was a back then. It was a 16 week program, and uh, and I must say, like when I first went down, I like I knew I didn't like it. I knew I wasn't gonna, you know, stick to it. But like by the grace of God, like it it kept me kept me there. And um, but so. Um, I was in the streets, you know, selling drugs, you know, hanging with the wrong crowd and uh, got into some trouble, you know. And when I returned back to society, you know, it was like hard to get jobs, being though I was an ex-felon. Um, but my probation officer, like she, you know, always used to hound me about like either get a job or get into like a school program or something. And like I, I had nowhere to turn. Like all I knew was selling drugs. So. You know, but my mom, she worked at DC Century Kitchen, you know, back when they first opened. And I remember the program and I was like, well, let me just go down and, you know, see, see what it's about. And I so I can get my probation officer off my back, you know, so <laughs> sure. that's why I went down. So once I got there, you know, um, they seven me into the program, you know, um, like I said, it was a 16 week program. And I went through it, you know, they had the self-empowerment classes, which, which really helped me a lot, like. It's no way, like, I, I was going to sit there, like, not making no money. I think we was getting mm-hmm. $40 stipends back then. And, like, how can you survive off that? But I saw the bigger picture, you know, standing to the program, graduating, getting, like, a trade under my belt, you know. Mm-hmm. But luckily, like, I got hired at D.C. Century Kitchen. And, you know, I was hired as a prep cook slash utility worker. Mm-hmm. You know, three years later, I made it to a supervisor. You know, and then after that, like, um, it was talks of the cafe and, like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of that. And I had, like, the top chefs, like, they was telling me, like, Angela, we want you to be a part of this. Like, you, you're handpicked. Like, we want you to head this up. So I went I went over. So I'm over on Mississippi Avenue now. And, and the thing about that now that's, like, the kitchen, like, it gets greater and greater. Like, now that we have these youth, like, they're mm-hmm. 18 to 25. And, like, I get to mentor these guys and, right. and females, like, they, and they look up to me because I come from where, you know, they're coming from. Like, I, I've been in the streets and, mm-hmm. and sold drugs and been incarcerated. And they, they, not that they look up to that, but they look up to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm working now and I'm a taxpaying citizen. I have a 401k. I have right. health insurance, <laughs> you know. Everyone is in my in my family is proud of me, you know. So, yeah, yeah so like I said, like. The, the, the kitchen like we're, we're doing a lot of big things as far as with the youth now mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm excited about it that's amazing so yeah. can you give me just again the specifics about how the the kitchen cafe works yeah so so with me with my role so I have like a three part role so okay. I'm in catering we have catering out of the back um, and the cafe part which we we kind of cater to mostly like the people in the area for right now mm-hmm. like cause they they don't know we, we're there um and we have the culinary training program with the youth. And uh, so, like, right now, so I'm assigned this uh, three youth at a time. So, um, 
and we just like helping them with like skills and just like like getting jobs and like just mm-hmm. um being in the work environment and like mm-hmm. being in the control environment you know and, and it's going to be rough like these kids like they they've been through it you know they never had jobs and you know they living in poverty you know it's like mm-hmm. single parent homes you know and and i went through that too so like it's fun for me like this is not just a job it's mm-hmm. just it's a good career mm-hmm. thing for me yeah so. and you say that it's tough and i get that like mm-hmm. like you said to just to show up to work every day right with some yeah. of the things within their communities are dealing with like why is it worth it for you yeah well for me like like i said like i've been through it like mm-hmm. and i know how hard it can be especially when you don't have that support system like when i was 18 and 19 like i mean i'm pretty the kitchen was around but like i they wasn't coming to me like knocking on my door like come and sign up for the program but like I didn't have that Mm -hmm. so now that these kids have that like I can reach out like and I'm also a recruiter as well so I go out with Tony Vincent and I recruit kids I actually went and it was so severe I went over to DC jail to do a recruitment um, thing with uh, Tony and just going back into DC jail and knowing I can leave when I want to like Mm -hmm. I'm not arrested like I can go in like tell these people about the program like this that means a lot to me mm-hmm. it means a lot awesome so yeah so i think i i wish that we had a youth here who could also tell us about the program but oh, you've yeah. been through the program and obviously you mentor them yeah. um so what is the opportunity like for your students like what kind of feedback do you get from them um when they go to the job training when they get to work in the kitchen with you um i get a lot of good feedback and and the thing is like so we like we, we rate these kids like are you on time two weeks in a row? Like, is your uniform clean two mm-hmm. weeks in a row? And, and like, we rate these guys on this. And, like, they sometimes they get a little agitated because, like, we, we want you to be ready for the mm-hmm. real world. You know what I mean? And, like, and the thing I do love about this particular program is, like, you work at your own pace. Like, mm-hmm. like we, like, they get, some of the guys, they got to take urines. And, like, if your urine dirty this week, like, we're going to give you time to clean up. Like, we're not mm-hmm. going to pitch you out the program. Like, we're not, we want to give you hope. We mm-hmm. don't want to give you that false hope. So, we're like, that's, like, one of the big things for me. Yeah, just giving a very realistic setting, right? Like, mm-hmm. no one's going to be perfect, and you have to understand. And right, meet the, yeah. You have to yeah. meet the youth where they are. And, yeah, just and we really letting them know that we know that. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to be perfect. Right. Like, you're going you're gonna to have hurdles and you're going to fall, mm-hmm. but we're here to pick you up. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that's great. I think that one of the core tenets of empowering people is that you have to be honest about where they are first. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, especially if you have mentors like yourself who mm-hmm. have been in that position, have lived in the community um, and know some of the people that you're working with mm-hmm. and the ways that you're impacting, yeah. that gives you that leverage. So that's yeah. really great. Um, thank you so much for sharing. So, You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, it's been 30 years of DC Central Kitchen. There's an amazing 30-year report that's put out on the website that I encourage anyone to read if you just want to get inspired about um, some of the work that's being done in our community for empowerment and access um, and economic opportunity. So I'll throw this to the both of you. Anyone can chime in. Um, what is next? Like, what is next not only for DC Central Kitchen, but also uh, for the community as a whole? What kind of visions are you all holding as an organization? Yeah, sure. At 
turning 30 is a weird moment for anybody, right? Mm -hmm. I think especially for a nonprofit that was founded with the goal of putting itself out of business by addressing the root cause Mm -hmm. of of the reasons we were started, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For us, I think in the near term, the the DC Center Kitchen Cafe is super exciting. We're also about six weeks in. Mm -hmm. So uh, the future we think is bright. We're already, we've enrolled our second class of youth learners um, and we have a 55 student wait list. And so the, the, the ceiling for this program is very, very high. And we hope to be training a 100 additional young people a year out of this particular program, in addition to the more than 100 folks who are graduating from our, our traditional program for adults. Uh, the other program we're really excited about is our Healthy Corners program, where we're now making it possible for participating corner stores, specifically in Ward 7 and Ward 8, to double the value of SNAP purchases, folks who rely on SNAP, the program formerly known as food stamps, so that they can afford more fresh fruits and vegetables. Since we started doing that, uh, that incentive program in October, we're up 440% in our sales of fresh produce and participating corner stores. Mm-hmm. And we're really trying to transform the environments of these stores. And for us, the incentive is great. What we're really seeing is that in the communities that we care most about, food has become a justice issue. It's mm-hmm. become a health issue. And when you saw the grocery walk in, in across Ward 8 two years ago, that was, I think, the culmination of a lot of work that got to that point, and then that has only continued to grow, where people are saying, I have a right to healthy food, I deserve healthy food, and people are making the choice to invest in that for themselves and their families, and we really wanna be a part of that. Uh, we believe that DC's food system is changing, and we're at the center of this incredible growing region um, in the Chesapeake Food Shed, and DC Center Kitchen has the chance to be a central hub of a, a truly sustainable, equitable, value-centered food economy in Washington, DC, uh, and to do that, ultimately, it's a question of scale. We. Uh, based on, I think, the, the potential of our model, could be doing two or three times the number of meals for, for schools and key community partners every day. It's just a question of having enough kitchen production space and walk-in refrigerators <laughs> to do that work. You know, we, as I said, we have a 55-student waitlist at our cafe already. For our average adult class at the main kitchen, we're getting between 60 and 80 applicants for each class. Mm-hmm. So we're turning away more than 100% of the mm-hmm. folks that we can actually enroll, mm-hmm. we're turning away just due to a limitation of space. And so because there's clearly a need, there's clearly a demand from the community for more of this work, and for that work to get even better, we want to make sure that we're in a position to grow and scale. And ultimately, that's going to take a new home so we can stay in the district and do this work at, a, at an even higher level. So thank you again. This was Alexander Moore, who's the Chief Development Director at DC Central Kitchen, and Angela Thompson, who has the privilege of working as a production lead at the newly opened DC Central Kitchen Cafe that is located on Mississippi Avenue. Thank you for coming in and for having this conversation. Um, I definitely have learned a lot, and I think that there are some themes between the previous episode. We had the Community Grocery Co-op come in, Mm -hmm. um, which is an initiative that's trying to get off the ground really for a community resilience building. Um, And I think that there are definitely some threads between the the ways that you all describe access. The lack of access to healthy food not just being like a food access issue but just like a health issue a human rights issue even so thank you all for tuning in to this episode of lunch agenda be sure to follow this show and others on the full service radio network on your favorite podcast app if you have any questions or comments feel free to send them my way by finding me at who is lexi brown on all social media platforms and you could also follow at kiko buff on instagram could i also get the information of how people can stay connected to dc central kitchen Absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter at DCCK, on Instagram at DC Central Kitchen. You can visit our website at www.dccentralkitchen.org. And of course, you can come out between 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Saturday to DC Central Kitchen Cafe uh, at 1901 Mississippi Avenue Southeast on the campus of The Ark.
word. Next time I'm in the the area during those times, I will be there. I promise. Awesome. This has been another episode. And until next time, see you later. Thank you.